0: Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere. I'm your host, Tracy Malone, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. This land I live on is Waka Waka and Turrible Country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and to pay my respects to their ancestors, past and present. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. This week's show is brought to you by Equitana Australia. Equitana is happening from the 15th to 18th of November this year in Melbourne. The Off the Track program aims to facilitate the placement of retired thoroughbred racehorses in second careers by promoting the network of Racing Victoria acknowledged retrainers across the state driving demand for this breed as performance and pleasure horses and educating the community about the various life after racing options, versatility of use and the appropriate care and retraining of the thoroughbred. It's so nice to see Equitana making a difference in the life of these beautiful horses. This event will be happening at the Roeville Outdoor Arena on Thursday morning at Equitana. They will also be doing a jump off in the Think Fencing Arena on Sunday from 12.45 to 2 pm. You can see this event with your day pass. To get tickets, go to equidana.com.au. I hope to see you there. Make sure you say hi if you see me. In this week's show, I wanted to take a breather and a look back on what I've learned from these amazing trainers I've interviewed on this podcast so far. These trainers are from varied disciplines and from all around the world. When I started this podcast, it was to find the kind of trainers that work beyond pressure and release, that work in true partnership with horses, the ones that give horses a choice, the trainers whose horses meet them at the gate, excited to see what they will be learning together today, trainers who are not in any way horse whisperers, but are horse listeners. I've taken a listen back over all of the trainers I spoke with on the show and found the gold The top five tips in one episode that we can all start doing today with our horses. Tip number one. This one's from Mosey Truitt from Liberty Horsemanship. I'll put all the links to each trainer in the show notes and you can see the links to their pages and photos of them on the blog of my website, comealongfortheride.com.au. Mosey is a young woman from Ventura County, California in the United States and is already at her young age such a wealth of knowledge and wisdom in the world of Liberty Horsemanship. The tip from Mosey that I'd like to share with you today is the foundation of having a horse in the first place. This is the first thing we need to come to terms with in every single relationship we have with every horse that we own at any stage of our lives. Here is what she has to say. And that's why now I,
1: I think it's so important and it's the main thing I try to teach to other people is changing our perspective on the horse because after I changed my perspective there, things started to flow at a rapid speed that I I was not expecting. And all of a sudden, the things that I had just admitted to myself and I had just come to terms with we'd never be able to do were happening for us so quickly.
0: To change your perspective on the horse is to understand that the horse may very well not want to do what you would like them to do. You know how people ask you to do something. And when they do, they ask you, and you either love the idea of it or you absolutely do not want to do it. Do you want to come out for dinner tonight? Yes, that'd be a great idea. No, I actually just want to have a really early night, watch something on Netflix, and go to bed. And both are acceptable. Horses are exactly the same. The question is are you able to love and honour your horse? If they don't want to do what you want to do, is them just being in your life enough for you if their answer to your request is no? It seems horses, just like humans, want to be accepted for who they are, not what they do. I remember back in my 20s, I had a group of friends and we absolutely banned the topic of talking about what it was that we did for a living We all knew what we did for a living. We just didn't talk about it when we were together. But what it allowed us to do was go deeper into who we were with each other, to accept each other as a human. And it was so much more than the job that we performed each day. We didn't put each other in boxes. It wasn't about how much we earned or anything like that. It was just about that we really enjoyed each other's company and we wanted to be together. I wonder if horses are asking the same of you. Can you love and respect me as much as you do now if I do not want to do the work that you ask? Is that what your horse is saying? Is your horse saying, if I say no, will you still love me? Or is your love and respect conditional? It's a really great way to see what you are made of deep down. To see how you respond when you get a no from your horse, from your child, from your friend, from your parents. How does it make you feel? Really think about it. How do you respond? Do you add pressure? With children it's easy. With horses it's easy too. Do you think of a way to make it a yes? How can I make it a yes? How can I change their mind? What is it that I can say? Or do you think of a way to then get revenge on those who gave you the no? well, no, it's fine, but next time you want something, I'm not going to give it to you. Or do you accept it and move on? I can honestly say that in the past, I have done every single one of these with my children, with my horses, with friends, with parents, with everyone. That's why I love this so much when I heard it from Mosey. It's such a fantastic way to bring awareness to what it is, that we're doing to what it is that I'm doing. Can I accept my horses to just be there? Can I love them the same? Will I keep them if they do nothing? Thankfully, the answer for them and me is yes. I had this challenge from my pony, Shadow. I didn't need another horse. He came to me because I wanted a pony for my kids I've got a nine-year-old and a five-year-old and I really want to bring them up with a little pony so I got Shadow and he was given to me and after a little while it became very clear and he said very clearly to me one day I can't stand kids and I thought right well that's it so he didn't have to be around the kids and he spent a lot of time not being ridden And what happened was, I then had the conversation with my partner, who then said, well, if he's just another mouth to feed, he needs to go. And I also had to come to terms with the fact that I've got another horse that I don't really need, who is absolutely in no way going to perform what it is that I wanted him to perform. He does not fit the mold that I needed in my life. Shadow's still here after, and that was two years ago that he gave me that very clear thing. And we've negotiated over the time. We've talked about it a lot. I love him. I can't bear the thought of moving him onto another home. And my partner has finally relaxed into the fact that he's actually not going anywhere. And what that's allowed to open up in my life and his life is that I can now get to understand him a bit better. And what I've come to understand from Shadow, once I relaxed into it and said, well, he can stay anyway, is it opened up a conversation. And what Shadow wanted to say to me was, a lot of kids that I've been with previously haven't been very kind to me. Not all of them. Some were kind, but a lot weren't kind. So we negotiated. I do all the tacking up. I do all the leading around. All the kids do is have a sit on him for a while and we go for a little ride, but the horses, the, the kids don't kick. The kids don't choose which direction to go. The conversation is between me and Shadow for now because Shadow wanted to build trust. Shadow wanted to build trust again so that he can learn that these kids are different to the, some of the other kids that he's been with in the past. If I didn't respect the fact that he didn't like kids, we would never have gotten to the place we were at. And what I've also found out about Shadow is that he is the most sensitive horse that I have. He responds to energy so beautifully. Instead of thinking of him now as a stubborn little pony who has this ability to appear on the other side of a fence almost instantly, I see him as an intelligent, bold, brave little guy who has been pushed around and used for something his whole life and he's never been given a say. So what Mosey has to say right here at the start is something that's really important and it's something that you can have a really good think about. What are you made of deep down when you get a no? Tip number two. This one comes from Kirsty Hagger from Willowvale Spanish Mustangs, and she's from Kilkeven in Queensland, Australia. Kirsty found that with her super-intelligent Spanish Mustangs, one of them, which I own, my mare Gypsy, who joins me on the cover of this podcast, she found that if she took the time to sit with her horse, expecting nothing of them, then the bond that was formed was so strong that when she asked them to learn something new, the trust and connection was already there. They were so willing and present with her. Have a listen.
1: The most beneficial thing that I did with her, and just purely sitting in the paddock with them with no expectations, no pressure and expecting nothing of them, that's when that greatest bond is formed and that is more valuable than any training you can ever do.
0: In a world where we can take our mini computer and full life of emails, social media and messaging with us everywhere, How much time do we actually spend just being? There's no advertising, no listening to podcasts. That's a bummer. Just sitting in the paddock on the ground, on a log, in a sturdy chair, and just sit and be with our horses. They do this with each other all day, every day. Hopefully, hopefully if they're running with a herd. This is how they form a bond with each other. This is how they understand and communicate with each other. I really do wonder why it is that this is not taught every single horse person in the world we expect our horses to get in a float or ride out go hacking with us and leave their herd behind some of us work hard to make sure they are not herd bound wouldn't it be easier to simply take the time to make yourself a true part of the herd and have all of your horses trust and respect you as a herd member not just the person who brings feed brushes and always asking something of them I see a lot of highly successful people in business, celebrity, etc., who will meditate. They all take the time to be still and just be, connect to something deeper within them. As a horse person, I do not do a traditional form of meditation, but I do take the time to sit in the paddock with my horses. I have my own form of meditation, where I can be present, find calmness, and at the same time, be a part of my herd of horses. Even if your horse is in a barn, you can do this. Take them out grazing and just be. Ask nothing of them other than, which way do you want to go? Take turns in choosing direction. You can do this no matter where your horse lives, whether it's in a herd or not. I have four horses who live as a herd, so for me it's as easy as taking 20 to 30 minutes every other day to sit in a log, on the ground, and just be. I set a timer, so I don't have to keep getting my phone out to see the time, I put it on silent so I don't look at it, but it puts my mind to rest, worrying about how long I've been there and will I miss what I've scheduled in next. So I'm wondering, can you right now pause and schedule in some time for just being with your horse? I schedule it as horse meditation in my calendar. It's so incredibly important to lay the foundations before asking anything of your horse. In human relationships, we do the same thing but for horses, we expect them to just be there to serve us. If you want true connection and partnership with your horse, this is the way to achieving it. Which leads me to tip three. Mel Fleming from Connecting with Horses and Riding with Synchronicity is from Moonby in New South Wales, Australia. Mel gave us is one awesome exercise that we can do before any work with our horses. We can do it at any time. Remember, true connection and partnership comes from a solid foundation in our relationship with our horse. Have a listen.
1: The first thing I start to teach people in the clinics is about centering, breathing, and body scanning. Centering is like taking your awareness down into your center, so your lower abdominal area, your pelvic area, and which means you're getting out of your head. You're getting out of you know being caught up in all the emotions that we often get caught up in. And breathing in a centered and expansive way, which means you see, you take your awareness down into your center, then you breathe and expand your center in all four directions on the in-breath. And when we breathe in that way, so expanding your belly, or I like to say expanding center equally in all four directions. On the in breath, as opposed to sucking your belly in when you're breathing, it changes your nervous system. So when we expand our centre, expand our belly when we breathe in, it stimulates us to relax. Most people naturally breathe the opposite way because they're um, they're running on adrenaline and cortisol and stress. When we just change our breathing and we really slow our breathing down, so you know ideally take like five to seven seconds on the in breath and hold that breath for a few moments and then. Breathe out so you start to just calm yourself down, you start to get your mind still and your emotions still, and then it's like it starts to you be more present in your body and scan your body and just feel your body. So you're taking yourself into a state of presence and stillness, mm-hmm. and through that breathing. Place of stillness is where you can start to connect with the horse more deeply because you've connected to yourself, your real self, your true self, not caught up in your head or caught up in your emotions. From there, you can connect to the horse, and you know you could just ask the question to the horse: "How are you feeling? What's going on for you?" And that that would be the start of being able to start sensing the horse and, and sensing your own. True self and what's
0: going on with you. Horses live in the present. They're not worried about what phone call they have to make or whether they're wearing the right shoes or what they're going to make for dinner. They care about the breeze. They care about what's around them and whether or not you're a predator or are you going to bring them feed. I'd love for you to try this one. Horses are so incredibly full of wisdom. Not only do I do this with my own horses, but I used to work in equine assisted therapy. And I worked with some troubled teens and I loved, loved doing this exercise with them. I asked them to first give the horse an instruction to see what the horse would do. It was always something simple, like choose a spot and ask the horse to work there. And sometimes the horse had a halter and lead rope and sometimes it didn't. It didn't really matter because the same thing happened most of the time. At first, most times, the horse would not move. They would not move at all. They would not leave no matter what the kid did they just wouldn't move. After they did this deep breathing exercise it was really really similar to this one they asked the horse again and the horse would move willingly and calmly beside them to the spot that they'd chosen. To watch the look on the kid's face was the best thing ever and this was once from a non-horse person from a teenager. So there's absolutely no reason that this wouldn't work for you instantly at home. Please never underestimate the power of your breath in bringing yourself to the present moment. It's a simple and powerful tool. We all have it within us right now. It costs us nothing. It takes only a minute at best to do. And it can change your entire relationship with your horse. So why wouldn't you do it? Tip four. This one is from Emma Bryant from Equality Equine Services. Emma is from Kaminya in Queensland, Australia. Emma speaks about the importance of realising where your horse's flight zone or bubble is. She also talks about the importance of the letdown, the lick and chew. The way your horse lets you know that it's processed the information and is ready to go again.
2: I waited, I looked at him, and if you walked into his flight zone, he was out of there.
0: And so his flight zone is like the bubble?
2: Yep, absolutely. So everybody has that, even us as people, and we know where our personal space bubble is by if somebody that is unknown comes into it, we kind of we go into our instincts or so we either want to move away or we kind of puff ourselves up or we just sit there and freeze. We, we know that because our, our heart rate comes up. So they have exactly the same thing. It said it may be 20 metres, 40 metres, 2 metres, depending on how domesticated the horse is versus wild, you know. You can see it clearly in their body language because as soon as you walk in there, they're designed to flick an ear to where a predator is and have an assess where it is. So can that run and eat me from where it's at? And if it's a no, they'll probably stay grazing but keep their ear out. If it's a yes, they'll start to move off.
0: So you walk up slowly to the horse and find out where the edge of that, that flight zone is Yep. by watching for the flick of the ear.
2: Their personal space bubble. And you go, okay, look, I know you're uncomfortable there. I can see that. I'm just going to wait here and I'm going to chill for a second and I'll listen. I don't want you to, you know, I don't want to go in there uninvited or anything like that, but I'm just going to chill out here. And what I found is the horses were like, huh, what? And they started to get a little bit curious because you weren't actually stepping inside them, their, pre- their personal space bubble and you weren't actually, you know, making them feel like they had to move off. You were just stopping and waiting.
0: Because once you get inside that personal space bubble, you're applying pressure. You really are. That's what people talk about with pressure in a horse the second you go inside that bubble that's pressure on that horse same as it is for us absolutely
2: and it's uncomfortable and then what I do is if that's where they're comfortable we have a conversation from them knowing that horses have body language right if I just walk in a step and then that horse flicks its eye and ear to me I go thank you for trying to be brave Because what he did would go, okay, I'm going to look at you a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to try investigate because I want him to get to that investigation stage. So I actually ask him to investigate. Hey, mate, I know you're scared. I'm going to wait here till you calm down. And you actually wait for that. So you, you wait for them to breathe out. You wait for them to, you know, lick and chew, shake their head, rub their nose. They do it every time. And once they do that, usually what you find is, they start to kick over into their curiosity and they go, hold on a second, I do actually want to check out what she's doing over there or what that is over there. So they actually close that gap by themselves. Imagine how
0: our horses would respond, knowing that we've taken the time to not rush them and expect them to just be okay with our presence. Imagine how they feel knowing that we understand what it's like to feel someone in your space and we totally respected that. This is obviously not possible on a daily basis, but if we take the time at the beginning of a training session, imagine how much more relaxed and supple, let alone willing, the horse will be. The letdown is a really important point and it goes as a partner to giving the horse time to come to you. When we learn something new, be it horse or human, we need time to process it. You know how much time it takes for you to learn something new. Sometimes you have to sleep on it to fully integrate and understand it. The horse's brain and body is the same. But they are able to take in and learn a smaller amount of information at a time. One step at a time with a letdown in between. Another person who spoke about this was Valence William from Soul Horse Revolution. Valence is in Victoria in Australia. Here's what she had to say. I used to try and force him into the float, just pressure and release. But it could just really send him way over his threshold where he would be rearing up quite powerful rears. And so just learning to really slow down, to listen and to create trust. I was allowing his nervous system the time it needed to calm down. When you've got the trust and the calmness, you don't get as many no's. So as Valence said... The letdown is for the nervous system. It's paramount to your horse's ability to learn. I watched just yesterday with my hoof trimmer and Gypsy, my Spanish Mustang mare. She was trying to strike with her front hoof while the trimmer's head was down there. She was told very clearly no by the trimmer. Then we waited and I took a deep breath. Then Gypsy licked and chewed. Then I saw the trimmer take a deep breath. Then she lifted up the hoof And had not a single problem after that. The lick and chew from Gypsy was the key here. It helped her to process and move on. And it also brings me beautifully to tip number five. Tip number five is from Anna Blake. Anna has a farm on the prairie. She calls it Infinity Farm. And it's on the Colorado Prairie in America. Anna travels the world teaching people about calming
3: signals. A calming signal is they'll stretch down and rub their nose on their foreleg while we're riding. And we have been taught to jerk their head up. They're being disobedient. They're ignoring you. A horse can't ignore us. They're prey animals. That next stretch is going to relax him some. He's also mentoring a behavior he'd like to see us do, meaning, I'm no threat to you. Relax. This one is massive.
0: Back to Gypsy. I believe the strike for the trimmer was Gypsy's young and indelicate Spanish Mustang way of asking us both to calm down. I believe it was a calming signal. Luckily, I realised this and was able to, instead of punishing Gypsy, take a deep breath and look under the behaviour for the reason for the behaviour. When I led the way to calming, simply by taking a really deep breath, she showed me that I was on the right track. Aren't horses incredible teachers? Every day I learn something new. I spent years reading books, listening to podcasts and going to talks and workshops on how to grow as a human, you know, self-empowerment, self-awareness, counselling, that kind of thing, how to be the best that I can be. Little did I know that outside of my paddock, I was collecting the best teachers that I was ever going to find. Those that give me instant and direct feedback without a story attached, with no harm or bad feelings, just simple ways for me to get better each day. Anna Blake also talks about not escalating our cues. This comes back to calmness, it comes back to patience, and it also comes back to the letdown. Have a listen to this.
3: Some of us traditionally have been taught ask, tell, make, that we should escalate the cues. And I think as humans, we're really good at doing that because it is our nature to do that anyway if we don't think we're heard we talk louder. So I'm the horse and we're walking. And I think you just gave me a cue to trot. I think you did. Oh crap, that's the second cue. And then on the third cue, what I see the horse do is flinch his ribs. It starts a tiny step at a time and a reward after every step and building on that. We need to give the horse time to understand what we're asking and then time to respond. I tend to be pretty slow when I'm introducing something new. I want the horse to have a dopamine response in his mind. I just want him thinking and not responding out of fear of the next cue.
0: This one goes hand-in-hand with the calming technique, and it's so important to take the time that it takes to give one cue at a time, small steps, like Anna says, like all the trainers say on this podcast that I've spoken to so far. Small steps, take the time, allow the letdown. Another small step, know when to finish a session on a good note. Absolutely reward the try and you'll have an incredible connection with your horse. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, this nice solo run that I've had on the top five training tips that I've learned so far. What we want with our horses comes from connection and relationship and this comes from listening and calmness. I feel so honored to have such a high caliber of trainer to interview on this podcast. Remember if you want to connect with any of these trainers the links will be in the show notes and also on the blog on my website comealongfortheride.com.au. Please get in touch you know I love to hear from you. What's the biggest problem you would like solved when it comes to training or working with your horse? I know that I will be able to find someone with a great answer for you. So please contact me through social media or my website. All the links will be in the show notes. Today, I'd like to leave you with one more clip. It's something that Donna Anderson from One Horse Life Australia and New Zealand said. Donna is based in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia every time you go to your horse if you remember this then you might begin to let the magic unfold thanks again for listening and i'll catch you next time on come along for the ride
1: the crux of what we're teaching is that you have to take action you can start and of course you need tools how much you've learnt from your life with horses is great but what we're doing is tuning and balancing and getting you back to the connection so that you can bring your aspect of what it is to be with a horse to the world. The horse is the perfect guide. That's not really even my job. I've got the easy part. I'm just the supporter of what's going to happen. There is no one else on the planet like you and there is no one else on the planet like your horse. You came together for a special reason. A One Horse Life teacher's job, if you require our help, is for us to support the connection between the two of you.